0: Well, we are so glad each and every one of you is here with us today. My name is Joe. I serve as one of the pastors here at Riverbend. Want to welcome you. We are so thankful that you've decided to join us, whether in person or online. I want to give a special, special just welcome to all of our first-time guests. We're glad you are here with us as well. We'd love to connect with you. One of the easiest ways to do that is to fill out a connection card. You can find those on our app or on the website or here in person. We also have a gift for you. It's a gift bag that you can pick up on your way out. But again, we're glad each and every one of you is here with us this morning as we continue our teaching series. Christmas has come here. And as we begin our time together, I want to just give you this thought. And and it's a simple thought, and yet it's complex in the nature of life. And it's this, that interruptions are often divine invitations in disguise. Interruptions are often divine invitations in disguise. And as you think about that in your life, how many times have you been interrupted? And it doesn't feel like a divine invitation. It feels like uh, just an annoyance, right? It feels like an an irritation, not, again, a divine invitation. But again, what I want us to think about as we begin our time is that interruptions are often divine invitations in disguise. And in my own life, I want to just give you a way this has transpired over the last several years. One of the things that happened to me back in 2008 is that God was pressing in on me to reconcile and reach out with my father, who had not been a part of my life. He had left, come come back, left again. And so for many, many years, he had not been a part of my life. And I remember being on the back porch of our house where we lived at, and praying and asking God as I was working through what it is that he was asking of me to really forgive my dad, but then to pray a blessing over my my dad and to reach out to my dad. So I did all those things. And I had little expectation that there was going to be a response, so I left a, a voicemail, and he called back. He called back, which surprised me. I wasn't expecting him to call back. And thankfully, over the years, we now have a good relationship, and I'm so glad he's a part of my life, and he's a great grandfather to my, my child and, and to his other uh, grandchildren as well. And, and so thankful for who he is in our lives. But one of the things I didn't anticipate in that is understanding more fully my family's story. By choosing to allow this interruption, my life had been going one way for many, many years apart from my father and my family story as far as the other people in the family beyond my brothers and my mom and maybe an aunt and my grandparents on my mom's side. Those are the only people I really knew to then say, wait a minute, like there's more to my story. There's more people involved in the Velarde story. And that interruption again led to a divine invitation. And over this last year, what I've sought to do is to unravel my family story a bit. And to understand who we are, where we come from, in order to take what it is that makes us who we are and be able to understand it fully, to leave what needs to be left, to bring with me what needs to be brought with me, and to help my son as he goes forward in his own life as well, and then the generations to come. But one of the gifts that I didn't see coming in the midst of that interruption, and that again, that divine invitation in disguise, was the gift of getting to know two of my cousins. And the two cousins I got to know, this first cousin here is Jessica. I got to know Jessica. And the the last time I actually saw Jessica, I was a baby, Uh, you know. And and she says, you know, that was the last time I remember you. You were a baby. And so 40-plus years of not (laughs) knowing Jessica or connecting with her, and we jumped on a Zoom call, right, because that's what you do when you're at different states, right? So we did that. And, And to hear her story and to hear her faith in Jesus and her love for Christ, it was so encouraging to me. And she filled in some of the gaps in our family story for me. And then in November, she has an older sister named Erica. And Erica's family live in California. And Erica's actually married to a pastor who's a church planter as well. And so he planted and they planted a church in California right around when we planted Riverbend Community Church. And it was such a beautiful for me to hear their own story, their own journey, and where it is that God has taken them in their own lives. And again, filling in gaps, helping me to understand, helping me to make sense of things. But we don't get that in life if we're unwilling to be interrupted. Because again, for me to even allow space for that, again, I had life that I was living for 40 plus years apart from them being involved in my life. In fact, it took a long time actually to get this on the books because my life has been so, so, such a, uh, a way of, of living apart from them. And then to like all of a sudden, like, hey, how do I work this in? But I remember the Lord just saying, hey, this is a divine invitation I have for you. This is actually a gift for you. And I have to say, these two cousins have meant the world to me personally. Just a gift that I didn't see coming. But isn't that how interruptions often work? They're divine invitations in disguise. So as we continue our series today, I want us to to think in this way and to answer this question, how do we live like the interruption in in our lives could be divine invitations in disguise? How do we have eyes to see that? How do we have space in our schedule and the way that we go about living that we're willing to be interrupted? For the possibility, the possibility, that there is a divine invitation in disguise right there for us. How can we live that kind of life? Because what we've said in this series, and this is really the, the thing that we're hanging the series on, is that again, this idea of Christmas has come here, and that the idea of this series is simply that Christmas has come here and Christ comes near to our joy and fear. And yes, it's joyful to get to know cousins, but you, if I'm honest, there's a fear too, because that means I have to feel things I don't really want to feel. I don't want to feel abandonment and rejection and all the things I didn't have. I don't want to feel those things. No one wants to feel those unpleasant emotions, right? But I remember Jesus saying, hey, I'm, I'm with you in those things, as well as the joy part. I was like, wow, I, I'm hearing our faith story beyond me and my brothers and my mom and how the faith in Jesus hasn't been limited to our story and making sense, again, of of where we've been and where it is that God wants to take us. And so as you think about this in your own life, I want you to have eyes to see those those interruptions, those interruptions as potentially, again, divine invitations in disguise. And to help us do that, to help us do that, we're going to continue to journey through the gospel of Luke. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open up with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. Verse 26, it says the following. Again, Dr. Luke is recording this for us. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, and we looked at Elizabeth's character before she was old, right? It says this very clearly. She was too old to have children, and Zechariah was her husband, and they they both were of old age. And it said they were too old to have children, It was a miracle that blew their minds. And and again, we looked at that last week and, and the week before that as well. It says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, and let's just read this part out loud together on three one, two, three Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And as you you hear what's going on in the life of Mary, you have to understand at this point in Mary's life, she's a teenager. Most scholars believe that she was 15 or 16 years old. Okay, And we know historically this was part of the way in which they, they did things as far as when marriage would take place in the life of somebody. And specifically for Mary, she was that age and she was part of an area called Nazareth and Nazareth is not one of those communities where it's like, hey, this is the place to be, right? It's not a major metropolitan. Actually, it was the place that people looked at and they're like, Man, can anything really good come out of Nazareth? Right? We've we've heard this talked about. And again, I've I've always said, you know, I know good people in Nazareth, Pennsylvania, right? But this is a different Nazareth, right? This is a different Nazareth. But again, there's People who didn't have a lot. People who were strong-willed, who were independent, that were in Nazareth. And yet, Gabriel says to her, greetings, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. There's an interruption. There's an interruption in Mary's life. This teenage girl, there's this interruption that takes place for her. And I don't want us to miss this because often when we go through the Christmas story, we can talk about the great part of Jesus coming in. And it was great and it was incredible. But Mary did not have this on her radar. Mary did not have what was about to happen on her radar as far as the way she planned out her life. So as we think about this, here's a couple things I wanna to give to us. First is that Christmas tells us Christ is with us and for us. Christmas tells us that Christ is with us and for us. And I just want you to hear this because I don't want you to miss that Christ is with you. Christ is with you when you're in the middle of a crisis. Christ is with you when the circumstances in life aren't going the way that you want them to go. Christ is with you when you're stressed out by your shopping list and the groceries you still need to buy and the food you still need to make, Christ is with you. Christ is with you when you're in the middle of some great things that are happening, but a lot of good at one point in time. Christ is with you. And we need to hear this more than ever because we're living in a time of great darkness in the sense of what it was that they experienced that first Christmas, where there's a lot of stuff happening culturally for them, where there was like 400 years of silence and they hadn't heard God speak. And and there was a lot of oppression in people's life from the Roman government. And I believe a lot of people are oppressed here, culturally speaking, in the sense that there's a spiritual oppression. And there's freedom that Christ wants to give. He wants to liberate people. He wants to see the captives set free. And one of the things that you're seeing right now specifically, you're seeing a lot of people who are dealing with mental health situations and circumstances. You're seeing people especially among men, take their own lives. And then you're seeing young adults who are really struggling with this, high school students who are struggling with anxiety and depression. And I just want to say to us, because as we heard news, some of you know this and some of you haven't heard this, but Twitch, who was the DJ for the Ellen show, committed suicide. He's a 40-year-old successful man who had a family that's beautiful, three young children. And it's assumed that they're okay. The men in our lives are okay because they look strong and they look like they got it together. And oftentimes we don't explore and ask the questions, hey, how are you really doing? And men aren't always great at expressing those emotions because it's difficult to be vulnerable. And then when you're vulnerable, oftentimes you're ridiculed like, hey, toughen up, get it together. You can't feel this way. And we need to change that narrative. We need to rather come Around one another and it's not limited to men but I just want to say to all of us in the house today let's be mindful of one another let's be mindful of the men in our lives let's not assume that they're okay because Christ with us means that we can actually go to people and ask how are you doing honestly it seems like there's a heavy season that you're going through it seems like there's a lot of good going on but how are you holding all of it together we shouldn't assume anything, but rather go with Christ to one another and to be specific with our questions out of a place of care and empathy. But again, want us to hear that Christ is with us. He's with us. So turn to your neighbor and say, Christ is with you. Christ is with you. Yeah. Say, say this out loud "Me, Christ is with me. Christ is with me. And then the next part of this. And it's a question, do you live out of the favor God has given you in Christ? Because one of the things that it says about Mary, it says, hey, I want you to know God is with you, and not only is he with you, but you're highly favored. And I don't want us to miss this. Mary had a specific role in this story that we're seeing. She had something specific that she was called to, but in Christ, we all have the favor of God upon our lives. In Christ, his kindness and his goodness and his unmerited favor is fully ours in Jesus. It's all of ours in Jesus. So Jesus becomes poor for our sake. He was rich. He became poor for our sake so that we could have the riches of God, so that we could become spiritually rich. And we talked about this last week because I don't want you to miss this because last week we said favor often gets assumed with man, I've got so much money in my bank account. I've got the newest, the nicest, the best. And sometimes God meets us in those types of circumstances. But what this really speaks of is the hand of God on our lives. His guidance. Surely your goodness and your kindness follow me all the days of my life. It's really that Psalm 23, 6 idea. That you're with me and that you go before me, that you're in my life, that you give me favor as I'm with people and I'm in a set of circumstances that are difficult, your grace and your kindness meets me. And I know for me this week, I'm, I'm praying for favor. I have a, a meeting with our landlord, and I would invite you to pray with me this Wednesday at 8 o'clock, first of all, that the meeting happens. Two, <laughs> two, that, that the landlord would just be favorable upon what it is that we're asking of him as far as our plans here long term. But I'm, I'm praying for that. I'm asking God, hey, I need your favor. I need you to go before me. I need you to work in the landlord's life as well. And his name's Bob. But that we would be people that would believe that God wants to show up in those types of things as well. He's involved. He's involved in our lives. He's very near to us. Again, but do you live out of the favor God has given you in Christ? Because it changes the way you approach things. And if we're going to, again, be able to see the interruptions in life, interruptions in life, as potentially divine invitations in disguise, we've got to believe that Christ is with us and that his favor rests upon us. His favor is upon us, not because of how well we perform, but because of what Christ has perfectly done for each and every one of us. Well, it continues on here. It says this, Mary was greatly troubled at his words, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him... What's the name here? What is it? What is it? Oh, there's something about that name, right? There's just something about it. It says this, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And I don't want you to miss this. What it's saying about Jesus is the way he's going to come in and the way that he's going to do what it is that he's called to do is that he's going to save us. His name really means, Lord, save us. The fact that he's going to come. And again, the favor of God is upon your life. And the one that's going to come, his kingdom's going to know no end. That he's the king above every king. That's really what this is saying. That he's the king with which his kingdom will know no end. His reign will know no end. And we're to join King Jesus in his activity, in the work in which he's doing here in our lives and around us as well. We're to be involved intimately with him as he's intimately involved with us. And this is beautiful to think about because when we look at Mary and again she had a specific part to play, what's being told to her has implications for each and every one of us. About who Jesus is and about his kingdom that will know no end. So as we think about this, I want to give you the following. Join Jesus in advancing his kingdom which will know no end. So if we're going to be able to see if we're going to be able to see interruptions as divine invitations in disguise, We've got to make sure we're about King Jesus and his business. Because if we're not seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness about what he's doing in us, through us, and around us, then we are going to be a part of a kingdom that will end. But his kingdom's going to no-know it. Because we know that the story's not over, that he just comes in a, as a baby, and that's it. No, he grows, and then he gives up himself, and, and he's murdered on a cross for each and every one of us. He's buried, and then... He was raised from the dead, but he's coming back, and he's going to make all things new. But I want you to know in who he is and what he's doing in this moment, he's still at work making all things new. He's still advancing his kingdom cause. That's why we're joining Jesus today in what he's doing. That's why we want to look for his invitations that often come as interruptions. That's why we want to be intentional with our lives. That's why when we come around Christmas Eve, it's not just, hey, this is great. We want to leverage those opportunities to invite people to come join us and to be a part of it. That's why we're doing Night to Shine, and I can go on and on and on. But what's that about? It's about joining his heart for the least, the lost and the lonely. It's about believing that his kingdom will know no end. So if we're going to be able to have eyes to see that, way, we've got to make sure we're part of the right kingdom. So as we think about this, here's a question for you. Will you give King Jesus access to your life and joyfully join him in advancing his kingdom agenda? This is a daily decision that we all have to make. That Jesus, I want you to have your way in my life because I believe you have what's best for me, even when it doesn't look like what's best for me, according to my own standard and my own vision for my life. Again, Mary didn't think, you know what, as a teenage girl who's engaged and and pledged to be married and for all intents and purposes married to Joseph, you know what, let's go ahead and get pregnant here, right? Like this is, you know, and we haven't consummated the marriage, you know. That's not on her radar. That is not the way she was thinking. But you know what, God's doing that type of thing as far as interrupting us and inviting us in to the divine daily. But will we have eyes to see? Well, it continues on here, and it says this. It says, how will this be, Mary asks the angel, since I am a virgin? Great question, Mary. And this isn't a lack of faith question. She's just honestly asking. I'm a virgin, Hey, I know enough about how it works, and I'm a virgin. I don't understand how I am pregnant, right? She's asking a good question. And this is what the angel said. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. Let's read this part out loud together. Verse 33, 1, 2, 3. For no word from God will ever fail. Let's read that again. For no word from God will ever fail no word from God will ever fail. And this is beautiful to think about because what he's saying is, hey, God is a God of doing the impossible. Elizabeth was too old to have children and now she's pregnant. You are too young. You're a teenager and you haven't even consummated your marriage and you're pregnant. What's this tell us? It tells us that God isn't limited the way that we're limited. It tells us that God doesn't, say, wait a minute, you're too young or you're too old to join me in what I'm doing. This is good news for us. And we're gonna actually hear from some students in a a few minutes here as they sing. But I, I don't want us to miss this because as we think about this in the next generation, I want you to know you're part of the church today, not just tomorrow. I want you to know if you're of retirement age, you're still not only viable to our church, but God is not done with you. He's got a lot of work still left to do in you. And this tells us that. It tells us that. It's beautiful to think about that Elizabeth, who's older, and Mary, again, who's this virgin, this teenage girl, God is going to do the miraculous. And what she's going to give birth to is this miraculous gift, Jesus, who's fully God and fully man. And it's a theological word called the hypostatic union. And that just simply means that God did this miraculous work in Mary, giving the Son of God. So as we think about this, here's a couple things. The impossible is always possible with God. The impossible is always possible with God. Let's say that out loud together. The impossible is always possible with God. It's always possible with Him. He can do the impossible. This is what Christmas tells us. He did the impossible. He did the impossible. And as you think about this in our own lives, if we're going to have eyes to see, again, these interruptions as divine invitations, we've got to be a people that believe he's working in the impossible. But we can't get so focused on what won't happen or couldn't happen or wouldn't possibly happen that we lose sight of our part to play in it. Because Mary actually had a part to play too. And so here's the question for us to think about, Will you take care of what is possible and let God take care of what is impossible? What's possible for you to do? What's possible? In other words, what does it look like to possibly join God in what he's asking you to do? What's he asking of you that you can do and you know he's asking you to do? Who's that person you need to forgive and bless? That's something in your control, right? That's something you can do. That is an act of obedience. You're not responsible for the outcome of that. But your act of saying, God, I'm going to do what's possible as far as what you're asking of me, that sets up God to do what's impossible. It sets up for you to see God do the impossible in your life. But again, I don't want us to miss this because God is always asking us, hey, will you join me in what I'm doing? Will you faithfully step into what it is that I'm doing already in your life, what you know to be true, what you know to be right, what you know to be good, will you step into those things? And that could be a relationship. That could be being a person that's generous with your life and your time and your resources. That could be a person who's saying, hey, I'm going to be intentional in this season of where I find myself and just step fully into it. The vocation that you've given to me, whether that's in your career whether that's in your home, whether that's in your neighborhood, you never know what he's going to do. Again, Mary did not have this on her radar. She did not have this in her plan, in her thinking. But I want you to hear how she responds in light of what's been said to her. Well, let's just read this out loud together on three one, two, three. I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. That's the right response, right? I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. And I don't want you to miss this because her response was saying, hey, as a teenage girl, as a way that I had my life going and I had it marked out this way, hey, Joseph and I, we're going to do this. We're going to go on the honeymoon. It's going to be great. All of a sudden, boom, it's changed. And it's changed and God has shown up and, and moved in this way. But instead of coming up with a lot of reasons why she couldn't, She said, hey, my response, the right heart attitude is, I am the Lord's servant. I am your servant. I am surrendered to you. I believe that your word is going to be done in faith. And I don't want us to miss this because this shows us a great faith on Mary's end. But then on the other side, as we saw in Zechariah, when he struggled with faith, God's still faithful. So right when we are struggling with our faith, God is still faithful, but I want us to see how God works when we do have faith, when he shows up in these ways. He works in our lives and deepening something in us as well. And so I want to give you a couple things here. Is your response to the great love of God, I am your servant, may your word be fulfilled in my life. Is that your response out of his great love for you? Because we cannot see interruptions in life as divine invitations in disguise, if this is not our response. Because we always say back to him, this is my life, my schedule, my time, my resources. It's all mine. And he's like, no, 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 no. You're a steward. I'm inviting you to join me into what I'm doing. Is this your response? And when we understand he's not withholding anything from us, but with his great love for us, he's saying, hey, I have something for you, something better, something good. Even when for us, it's like, doesn't make sense. Not on my radar, not the way I thought it was going to go. I want to join you though. And the way I join you is surrender as a servant to you. So as we think about this, here's a question for you. Where in your life is Jesus inviting you into deeper dependence and trust? Where in your life right now? Because this is the name of the game. He's always inviting us into a deeper dependence and trust. And I know in my own life, there are these things that happen where he's saying to me, hey, I want something deeper for you, and I want you to come deeper with me because I have your best interests in mind. I'm for you, but I'm also for the people around you. Will you join me? So I want to give you this prayer, and I want us to just pray this out loud together. Okay, on three. One, two, three. Jesus Help me to see when interruptions are divine invitations in disguise and to step fully into them. I can do so even when scared, knowing that you go with me. Amen. May we let this lead us. May we have eyes to see. May we be people that join Jesus in his activity.